home of the stars, through the airwaves and on the big screen. Coming to you live from Hollywood, it's Rated G Radio with your host, Garrett Miller. I love when the fans just, you know, give me the adoration that I so richly deserve. Anyway, it's Garrett. I'm back for Rated G Radio. It's Monday, June 26, 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. We are live. Now, granted, most of you on a Monday night at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time are out probably at the beach or doing a barbecue or hiking or camping or doing something wildly more fun, which is hard to believe, than listening to Rated G Radio. So this is why I'm so excited, because we're also simulcast on Apple's podcast and on iHeartRadio. We are everywhere you want to take the pod with you, and you can listen whenever you want. So last week, we had Rebecca Fisk on as our very special guest. We just decided we wanted to do a show, so we did it. Gosh darn it, that was fun. But in the middle of the show, we had this helicopter that came by, or a plane or something, and apparently it was loud enough that even Rebecca could hear it through the microphone, which shocked the crap out of me because I totally thought, oh, nobody's going to hear that. And she said, what's going on over there at the beach? I said, I don't know. Then she brought that up. So hopefully we won't have any aerodynamic uh, routines going on this evening. But before we get started, I want to give a big, big shout out to a new listener out of Texas that um, is tuning in tonight for the very first time. Justin, just want to say thank you for tuning in. It's great to be connected to you. And hope that you have a great night with your dog. Um, and now I'm trying to scroll up here. I'm like, oh, what's your dog's name? Okay, I'm. it's Ace the dog. So Ace and Justin, thank you for tuning in tonight. I appreciate you uh, being a new listener to Rated G Radio. And tell all your friends and family to uh, you know, tune in. It's a free show. There's no cost to listening. Oh, my other shameless plug before we get started. By the way, Rob Watson is already on the line. He's my very special guest co-host. You'll know him from Rated LGBT Radio. We have so much to talk about tonight. But before we get started, for those of you who are connected to me on LinkedIn, shockingly, I actually use my real name, Garrett Miller. If you are not connected to me on LinkedIn and would like to be, send me a connection request. I'll, I'll accept that. But my shameless plug of the night was last week. My company that I work for during the day, which, again, don't mention them on the on the airwaves because they're not sponsoring the show. And if you're listening from the company, I love you. But, you know, that's that's the way it goes. <laughs> they did this lovely little write up on me. And I'm asking everybody that would like to to like it, comment or share it. You'll know because you'll just find my feed and you'll see the post that I'm talking about. It's only three or four down on the post. So it's really easy. But I've uh, made the solemn pledge that if I can get a thousand likes, shares, or comments of the post, that I will bake the people in my building 1,000 cookies. Not going to the store and buying a thousand Oreos. Actually, physically making 1,000 cookies. Now, how does that help you? It completely does not. If you'd like to have somebody else eat calories that you know you would rather be eating, and in the spirit of social media, and goodwill towards men, please go to my LinkedIn page and find me, Garrett Miller, and like the post from my company. And once we get past 1,000 likes, shares, or comments, I'm going to have to figure out how in the world I'm going to bake 1,000 cookies for the people in my office. So uh, with that, please go and do it. 
Um, let's see. I, it's Pride Month, so what, now is the best time to bring Rob Watson on. Rob and I, about a million years ago, started a show called Rated LGBT Radio, and Rob now is the um, award-winning, super-duper host of the century for continuing the tradition, doing such an amazing job. And he humors me by coming on to Rated G Radio every once in a while when I'm like, Rob, can we catch up? So welcome to the show, Rob. How you doing? I'm great. It's so great to talk to you. I miss you and love you. And um, yeah, we were chatting. It's like, I only get to talk to you when, when other people are listening in. It's like <laughs> that, that is, That's a very true statement. So everybody that is a co-host on the show are also my friends. And they are always like, I want to have a, a conversation. Can we just do a conversation? And Honestly, my mind is kind of like buckled at the thought of having it like a, a, a actually having to pick up the phone and having a conversation without going into the whole big long ordeal, which will give me PTSD for real. Um, last year, I had a whole kerfuffle. How is that for an old timey word? I had a kerfuffle with Google and lost my primary numbers, which I've had for, I hate to admit it because I won't turn 29 until next year, but I've had the phone number for over 30 years. I got a pre, you know, while I was in the womb, I got the phone number. And through a miracle of God, I kid you not, I got the numbers back and I immediately took them to AT&T who um, took the ports in, got the numbers for him, got them set up on the phones and the whole thing. Great, right? And everybody's like, oh, you got phones? You know, so now you can have, actually have a phone conversation. So I pay over, I get two phones, three phone numbers. It's the whole thing. And I pay over $240 a month because I, haven't had a phone legitimately. I've not had a phone for probably like 10, 12 years because I was able to port the number to Google Voice. Great, because I never talk on the phone. And then all of my friends were like, well, how do you talk? I talk, you know, just like we're doing right now on the show. I just talk over the internet, which nobody, everybody just thinks I'm crazy. I mean, like crazier than usual. And so when I got the numbers back, they were like, oh, you've got a phone, so now we can talk. I'm like, oh, no, 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 honey, no, no, no. We're not going to be talking on the phone. So I spent 200, this is rounded up, 250 bucks a month for these two phones. One of them, I only turn on to charge and to update the software. And the other one has two phone numbers on it. I think they could have put three on the one because it's a thing. And I have probably made in the last, because I've got the number back probably about, 10 months ago, I probably made under one hour of calls the entire year on the phone. And why? Because all I do is talk on the phone all day at work. And the last thing I want to do is come and talk to people on the phone. I don't know why I even have it other than the number is, it's my life. It's the number that everybody in the free world has for me, which I will not be giving on the radio. Thank you very much. Um, but if, if I had to call you know, to work or something like that, it's there. So um, the so Rebecca, what? Garrett, you know, can we go have lunch at Open Sesame? Or Rob, you know, Garrett, you know, we need to have a call. It's like, oh, let's just do a show. <laughs> well, there are a couple of precedents for 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 what you're living. Number one, um, RuPaul is that way, where he does not like to have any conversations with anybody unless it's on camera, um, because he's he right. is, of course, a product of reality television and and you know the only reality must be captured on camera so that that's like a rule but if you think about it we've evolved to this age you know and you and i are old enough that we remember the day when people had phones 
that were in their house and it rang and if you weren't home nobody answered it was like that was it what Done deal what then then it evolved to they called and if nobody was home a machine would answer and you were, could record a message and eventually the person you were trying to call could get your message and then we've evolved now to this age where literally the phones are on our person for some of us 24 hours a day except when you call mm-hmm. anybody no one answers it's like no one answers no one answers it's like i have my two sons if i ever call them i fall over that they actually answer the phone you know it's like we've, mm-hmm. we've come to the age that if you really want to reach somebody, you text them. It's just I, human well, beings. That's it. I mean, for years, all of my friends, that's all we've ever done is text back and forth because, you know, you can't text at work. You can't text, blah, 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 blah. And I have no reason to talk to anybody on the phone. And they say, why do you want to talk on the phone? It's like, I don't cure cancer. I'm not a doctor. I'm not solving the world's problems. I don't have the codes to the nuclear briefcase that you know about or anything else so you don't need to talk to me on the phone i had somebody and and so i legitimately leave the phone here at the house on my desk and you're like but what if you need i'm like you know if i get in a car wreck and die who am i going to call you know that's not going to get anything fixed and i probably won't be able to reach the phone and or whatever so i don't need the phone in the car I don't need the phone at work because I need to be working. So for everybody who, you know, sits there and plays on their phone all day, well, I'm making sales. So that's what I do. So when I come home, it's like, ooh, it's like, it's kind of the old timey thing. Like I said, ooh, do I have a message on the answering machine, Robert? Let me go check the machine. (laughs) And then I check, you know, oh, there's no notifications. Score. One more day without a call. One more day. Yeah. So I will tell you. That you know, I, I also host Airbnb in my house. So on the days that I have guests checking in, um, and I do a lot of repeat business because, frankly, I'm a fantastic Airbnb host. And it, if you, you know, doubt me, well, I've only gotten five stars for the last five years in a row. So there you go. But I always want to make sure if the guest has a, a problem or a question when they check in that they can get a hold of me. So I I took my phone to work on Saturday, knowing that I had a guest coming in from Vegas. Wanted to make sure they could get in. And, um, you know, so, but we didn't talk on the phone and, you know, we just text, he goes, yeah, I'm just checking in and want to make sure. And I said, here's pictures, here's where to park, here's the whole thing. And the response that he, he left, Rob, was just classic. He goes, I never met Garrett, but it was like I had this personal concierge at the, my fingertips. All I would do was text and magically I had an answer. It was the most amazing experience of my life. It was fantastic. <laughs> I can't wait to come back. Well, that and is, having that not met the guest is yeah, perfect. Yeah, because yeah, I was thinking, gee, then if I really want to hang out with Garrett, I'll just book his Airbnb. But no, I guess that that doesn't well, work. You, <laughs> you could do that too, but that you know, but then I would. Act, but no, it's funny because my living room is set up because when I first started doing Airbnb, I had a giant 65-inch TV in the living room. I had a brand new sofa, you know, all this, and I had a couple of guests who were, let's just say, a little bit older. And, you know, I live at the beach. So picture this, you live at the beach and you come rent a place and I charge a lot of money. Okay. So, and there's a reason I charge a lot of money, but 
people would come and they would rent the thing and they would come home and, you know, from doing whatever, I don't care, but you know, if you're going to pay that kind of money, you don't need to come and sit and watch family feud and the golden girls. Okay. <laughs> if you're going to pay the kind of money to stay at my place, you're going to go have fun at the beach, go have a great dinner and then come home and just collapse and relax in the most comfortable bed and linens you ever had. So that's right. great. But my living room is legitimately set up like a hotel lobby. I got rid of the TV. I got rid of the couch. I have two occasional chairs and I have an ottoman. And I mean, you walk in, you're like, oh, it's a hotel lobby. I have no dining table. So I purposely don't want people to get the idea, oh, let's just cook and stay in and cook a meal. No, you know what? I don't need to fry and fish in my kitchen. Come on. So <laughs> um, I, I make it as, as welcoming as possible. I've got this great snack station. I've got candy and nuts and gum and water and pop and soda and all kinds of drinks and all kinds of refreshments for people. But it's very clear that, you know, this is the place you come, recharge, get your rest, um, you know, pack a cooler, grab some of the complimentary snacks and things like that, and off you go. You're not coming to watch the Golden Girls and watch Family Feud. You're here to go have fun at the beach. So go do that and then come home and relax. So, yeah, anyway, so my, yeah, my living so room is funny. now hotel lobby. Yeah. Oh, very, very good. Yeah. Anyway, that's – I know. I just had, yeah. I just had some friends but, that stayed at the – Disneyland Hotel while they were going to Disneyland, which is like um, in order to do that, you have to be either super wealthy or take out a major loan um, to do it. Mm -hmm. And it's like, to me, it was like, it was really questionable though, because I'm like going, okay, that would put me in a huge dilemma. If I'm going to Disneyland, but I'm paying a huge amount to stay in the hotel, part of me would want to continue, just stay in the hotel. Because I paid for right. so much money to be there. So, yeah. Um, yep. Anyway, it's um, – so I just stay in my own home, and and I'm quite happy doing so. And isn't that an amazing also, thing? a few blocks from Well, you here. have a great home, so, yeah. 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 Well, anyway, enough talking about um, my Airbnb and why I don't have a TV in the house. Um, and I don't have a TV in the Airbnb room either. And I, I make it really clear when people are looking at the listing, there's no TV and there's no dining table. So don't get any crazy ideas. You know, so if you want to have a snack or beverage, that's great. But, you know, you're not cooking a seven course meal and inviting the family over. Well, I, I will give you um, but, one shout out. You, you do give great text. You, you, you do. I do give text great text. from yeah. Garrett Miller mm -hmm. are great. So, yeah. And you know why they're great, though? It's because, Rob, I can text you on iMessage from my computer. So I can sit here and go like, and the next thing you know, you're like, how in the world did he type 17 paragraphs? I'm sitting at my computer. Oh. I type 90 words a minute. That's why. Yeah, it's, that, that is smart. That is super smart because I still have not been able to handle typing on the iPhone. Um, all my A's no. are S's. Yeah, they all come out. Mm-hmm. So if yeah. anybody gets a text for me, and they have words where there's mysterious S's, they're A's. Mm -hmm. They're A's. One more reason why I'm like, here's another reason why I don't need to carry the phone with me. Because I can't, I mean, back when I was your age and I had the rotary dial phone, ugh, good Lord. If I, I mean, I, but I am turning into the guy that goes, get off my lawn. And I don't even have grass. But it is true. You know, the, the, key, the key thing on there, I just don't get it. You know, and So the phone just sits here, collects dust, and I paid a million bucks for it. 
And I'll, I doubt I'm going to ever upgrade it or do anything. I'll probably just keep it till the battery dies. But, you know, the fact yeah. is I got my numbers back. Thank you, Jesus, yeah. um, for that. But it's Pride Month. And, um, Rob, we have had just a wild, and I don't know what it's like in Northern California. Um, Southern California, I haven't really seen things that cause me a whole lot of alarm. But I, I will tell you, reading the news, there has been just, so much nonsense going on in this country the last, I don't know, eight, 12 weeks. And then Pride Month kicks in and it's like everybody's lost their damn mind. What I mean, you host rated LGBT radio on a weekly basis and talk to, you know, amazing celebrities and, you know, uh, authors and activists and things like this. What's your take on what's going on with, with uh, Pride Month this, this year? Well, it's, it's a mixed bag. One is, um, if you go onto different um, services, like I'm, I'm on Hulu, and Hulu, well, and and they're broadcasting shows that are like on CBS and different sh- different things. There's coverage of Pride unlike it's ever been covered. I mean, it's like it, it's there's one show that is all the live Pride events across the country, and one that, that there's one an aerial view of Pride that that they're literally flying over these big parades and these mass groups of people. So from that perspective, you're thinking, wow, pride is just so pervasive. And then when you look at what's been happening in this country where, um, and I sort of lay it at the, the feet of Ron DeSantis, where they, they have sparked this anti-LGBTQ movement and um, initiatives across the country um, and that has burned on people who probably were never not against us, but it has given them permission to bring their homophobia and their transphobia out in spades. And, um, and not coincidentally, these are also people who have guns. So that part gets mm-hmm. really dodgy and really scary. Um, the, Attack on school boards is where a lot of these things are happening and where these groups are showing up to school board meetings, and they're not even people in that district. They are people who are coming into a public school board meeting um, to to kind of cause trouble. Um, One sideline, which is going to be interesting about a conversation that I'm supposed to have, um, which I... I'm anticipating and not sure what that is going to be about, but um, my producer on, on my podcast, um, he is the um, executive editor of the Los Angeles Blade magazine available down, down there where you are in LA and um, both in print and it's online for anybody who is not living in LA, but he is, you know, he's different at different times interviewing a lot of the government types and in the press conferences, et cetera. Well, he was in a press conference with our state's attorney general and the attorney general, mm-hmm. he was asking about these situations. Um, he did invite the pre- the attorney general onto rated LGBT radio on our podcast. Um, that has not been confirmed that that will happen. But after he got off, he got a call from the attorney general's office who Googled both him and myself and read apparently all my past articles and wants to come to Santa Cruz and have coffee with us. So 
Yes. Yes. So I I may be sitting down with the Attorney General and just giving him perspective on what it's like to be a um, a gay family and um, um, you know have that kind of stuff going on around you, which that is kind of the point. You know, a lot of these protests and a lot of these things, the people who are really getting harmed are the adolescent LGBTQ people mm-hmm. who already feel bullied, mm-hmm. already feel, you know, misunderstood. And then to have some force come out and make them feel like they're degenerates and awful, et cetera, et cetera, you know, it's, it's driving suicide rates up. Well, I, I think there's so much that is really so problematic here. I mean, we have the Bud Light thing, which is just absolute nonsense, in my opinion. We've got the Target thing, which I want to talk about. And, you know, we have – and then they're even targeting Chick-fil-A, which for years, you know, has been anti-LGBT. So um, I, I think, you know, one of the things that I'm, I'm probably most shocked about I, the, the, the Bud Light thing, I just don't get because people are so stupid. But the thing that really yeah. kind of bugs me about the Target thing is having um, LGBT merchandise, which has been, you know, it's a month, okay? And it's, um, you know, it's one of those things where they've had in the front of the store. This is a, a national retailer that has spent a lot of money and time and effort in investing not only in their associates, but in the community and helping celebrate inclusion, love, and diversity for their clients and their associates, you know, A plus. And then this year, you know, you have some wackadoodles that come in and say, we're going to blow the place up because we don't like the gays. Well, that just really is so stupid because then if the, the second that Target caves for this and then says, well, you know, oh, geez, we're just going to have to move all that merchandise to the back of the store because we just can't have somebody coming in here threatening our employees. Well, you know what you're doing? You're setting a precedent that if you can pick one group and you don't like who they are, in this case, LGBT people, that the next time you don't like something, you're going to go back to that store and say, well, I don't like the fact that you sell cranberries because cranberries are mm-hmm. this, or I don't like the fact that you're doing this, or I don't like that. So you're allowing them to dictate how you're allowed to conduct business. And I, personally, I'm absolutely offended by this on so many levels and it just infuriates me to no end you know if somebody came into the store and said i don't like the gays you know what i'd say great you're welcome to leave you don't have to shop here we don't want your money well i'm gonna you know threaten you great i've called 911 we'll arrest you and because if it if it starts with the lgbt community it's going to go to any other, you know, minority group, any other niche, any other, you know, whatever, and it's just going to continue to escalate because Target has allowed this to happen, and mm-hmm. I am just shocked that that was their response, and that was the best response. Here, I, you know, I don't run a major corporation, but that, to me, just seems like, boy, let's take the chicken shit way out. Pardon my French, and cave to some extremists who are the 1% who, you know, probably aren't really shopping there anyway. I'm going to take my business elsewhere. Good. We don't need your money. You know, don't threaten people. If you don't like us, don't buy it. I've never, I've never walked by, you know, any type of a display and then suddenly become that person. I've walked by makeup displays all my life. I don't wear mascara. If you want to wear mascara, wear it. I don't care. 
but it's the same thing. You know, you walk by plumbing supplies. That doesn't mean I'm going to be going out with a, you know, a, a wrench or a, a, a plunger. It's just absolutely ridiculous. So I, I don't know what, and, and I, perp by the way, I don't ever shop at Target. Target's great. Okay. But it, there's a thing called Amazon and I'm, I'm happy never going to a, a store ever again because I frankly hate people. I mean, I don't hate people. I just don't like the shopping experience. So right, I went right. into my local Target uh, the very beginning of June because I wanted to see firsthand because I kept hearing these news reports about uh, Target moving pride merchandise to the back of the store. And, you know, you're, we're just going to put, you know, baby in the corner and, you know, that. So I don't know historically how much more pride merchandise this Target actually had here in Huntington Beach, but I will tell you it was right front and center. They frankly didn't have a lot, but they right. had, I think, a very nice representation of stuff. But I purposely also walked every aisle of the store just to look to see if there was other merchandise hidden somewhere else because people were complaining about it. I didn't see any. So I have to assume that was their only display for what they had. Okay, I'm going to give you a pass. Have, yeah. have you shopped at a Target or seen what, what's going on? Well, one of the things is most of the Targets that did move the merchandise were in the South. Um, so it, it was yeah. not a universal across the country, and, and there um, they felt more threatened and more um, under under siege. Um, I agree with what you're saying, though, because, I mean, it's, goes back to the same mentality about police when there's a hostage situation where they do not mm -hmm. want to give in to hostage demands because all that does is send out a message to all would-be hostage takers mm -hmm. that this is a way to get the what you want, you know, by these terrorist tactics. Um, and number two, there's such an innate stupidity around this whole stuff is if you if you go on twitter and, and read a lot of the comments a lot of the comments were i'm never shopping at target again because they have this pride stuff and blah 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 uh, walmart is the only place i'm going to shop and then down a few more comments people will go um by the way um walmart has pride stuff too uh, just fyi you yeah know? so it's like it's, yeah. it's this mm -hmm. perception thing it's like we're target got pardon the expression targeted and Walmart got a pass, mm -hmm. even though they both were providing this stuff. Um, but it's it, the other thing is, I think different Target store managers, you know, it's like you're going to see some quiet bias going on on what they do about mm -hmm. this. Because, you know, I'm up in a more liberal area, even for California. And um, my son's partner works at Target here, and I was asking them about, you know, you know, gee, have you had any flack or whatever? And they went, no, but our store manager actually didn't supply a lot of that, and so, you know, it's kind of gone. And so their manager was not particularly pro-pride in the first place. So, you know, you're going to get a lot hmm. of that kind of behavior. But – this yeah. this whole thing, this whole movement is subterfuge because none of the issues that people are bringing up are real things. There's no, there are no, no. kids across the country being convinced, you know, that they would be, you know, like these hardcore little heterosexuals 
but because somebody throws a rainbow in front of them, boom, they're instantly going to be made gay. None of that is ever going to happen. It, it's even even to ever. the level of of all these initiatives about um, trans trans girls joining women's sports and how horrible that is. And oh my God, women's sports are are just going to fall apart. Well, across the country, in 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 a country of 300 million people with countless women's sports programs and girls' sports programs across the country, there are at most 100 trans girl athletes participating in any way, and most of them are probably not all that good because a lot of people who participate in those things are not good. You know, it's like, and so there is no threat. There's no threat to any of this. This is all a big subterfuge, and it's being done on the part of the Republican Party. Why? Because of all the issues outside of these that they would want to bring up, even if they brought up the issue, they have no plan. They have no plan on immigration. They have no plan on on climate change. They have no plan on the economy. They have no plan on anything else that they want affected or they want to point to. So they point to this Mm -hmm. so that they have a cause that they can say, hey, vote for us because we'll go beat up the people that you need. That's the whole MO all of it. It it sounds just like 2023 for LGBT visibility is, and I mean no disrespect, but it sounds like the, um, the direction has shifted from like abortion and abortion rights and women's rights to, okay, we need something that's a little bit more topical. And that's certainly not not diminishing anything having to go uh, with Roe versus Wade or any of that. But um, it's like we need something else that's going to get really get people riled up. And I think well, that, and, you know. And actually, to your point, that that is kind of the point. Because before, before Dobbs, before the Supreme Court overturned Roe versus Wade, Republicans had no problem going out going, Vote for me. You know, it's like abortion is the law of the land, but I'm against it. I'm pro-life, so vote for me. You know, it's like Mm -hmm. we will take care of that. And knowing that while they said that, there was nothing they could do because it was the law of the land. Nothing. Now that it's been overturned and now where it's been made evident across the country, even in places like Kansas, in places that are, are solid red, that being, quote, unquote, pro-life, which is a misnomer, um, is not a winning ticket because basically what's happening is the male-dominated um, uh, hierarchy is telling all women, we are not going to let you manage your own health care because what has mm-hmm. come to light, especially after that decision, is that, quote, unquote, abortion is not what everybody thinks it is. It's like in many cases, abortion is what happens to a woman when her pregnancy has died within her and they need to remove that from her because it will threaten her life. It's like, you know, that is what a lot of the medical procedures are. And to have all of those be illegal is insanity. And women know that. Women will tell you that, you know, but, you know, men, we don't know. We don't have a uterus. We don't know what 
what managing a uterus is about. Um, you know, but so now the Republicans have no answer on that. And they, they are hiding the fact that they want abortion to be illegal. Um, and they know that their talking points are all losers on that. So mm-hmm. what do they do? They need an enemy. They need a scapegoat. They need a, yeah, we need to go make another enemy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Let's not try to do anything that's going to help build bridges, help our country heal, help end homelessness, help end hunger, help end disease, help end the infrastructure crisis. That you know, and go on and on and on, because that would be something that would be productive. Um, yeah, exactly. So let's go, you know, let's go criticize drag queens who read to children and promote literacy and kindness to others because that is the real demon in this country. But, you know, you just have to go, really? That's the best you got? I don't know. You know, yeah. I'm a little, you know, a little verklempt at, you know, why do, you, why do we want to pick that as the cross that you want to die on? That makes absolutely no sense. You know, so anyway, um, should we maybe change the, the topic for, for you know, the, sure. the crazy of what's going on politically to the, maybe some of the fun things that are happening for Pride and also maybe some of your recent guests on rated LGBTQ radio like David Archuleta. Yeah, that was fun. That was, oh, my God, what a sweetheart he is. I just uh, adore him, adored the opportunity to talk to him. Um, and I wrote an article, a follow-up article to that, you know, which that's one of the advantages of getting a lot of these people on the, the show is then I have an interview already down that I can write from. Um, but the article on David was um, number one on the Los Angeles Blade for a week or two, um, was the most popular article. Um, he shared it out um, himself. Um just just huge but um oh my god and he was so we we just had a really great conversation i mean we we talked about his spiritual path and we talked about you know his conflict of coming out and his journey and his struggle and he was just very open and upfront about it all um and and we got to premiere his new single um which is called uh, nice um, and play that on the air. So that was that was a lot of fun. But um, yeah, that that was great. Um, this last week's show, by the way, we had another um, kind of key guest. Um, her name uh, is uh, Sheila Omi, which people won't necessarily know her from that. But she is the voice of one of the lead characters in the new Elemental. Pixar film from uh, Pixar. And oh Disney. wow! She she is the mom of the the main character, and she's got you know quite a part in that. And that that film is very um, affirming. It has the very first non-binary cartoon character in a Disney film um, is presented. Although it's it, it's a little bit much to do about nothing because that character is on for literally two and a half seconds. So if you if you blink or go for popcorn, you may miss them making an appearance on in the film. But her character is just so sweet. She's this um she's this older fire character who is a matchmaker um amongst 
being the, the oh. mother of the one of the lead characters. That um, and she herself, the actress Sheila, is such a sweetheart. And um, we we just had a great conversation as well. It, that was really really awesome. So that was fun. That so is one what, of the reasons, by the way, the, the the gift you gave me of starting the rated LGBT radio show, because um, I I had been doing a, a, a public radio show, and by public I mean public airwaves up here in Santa Cruz called Out in Santa Cruz, and, you know, as as we picked up doing the podcast. But I get to talk to just fascinating people. I mean, it, it's um, it's been just an absolute thrill, you know, and I love that people listen to it, but, you know, even if they didn't, I just love having these conversations with people that I wouldn't talk to otherwise. I, I was, you, you're just kind of like reading my mind. And, and by the way, for everybody who's listening, we don't have a pre-call before the show about what we're going to talk about. We just come in here kind of like with some ideas and then we just kind of run with it. And the next thing you know, the hour is over. But I was literally just going to ask you, what is maybe one or two things that doing this show has brought into your life? You've mentioned that, you know, the variety of people, but how else is doing rated LGBT radio changed what you do professionally and personally? Well, it, from a writer standpoint, it has given me subject matter to write about. So mm-hmm. it's like even when when I interview people, um, I and I get a lot of information that I can then put out in an article. And the articles that have been based on our podcast and the interviews that I've done from those, all of them have been incredibly popular. And um, and I'm well, I am bragging, but I'm not saying this to brag. Um, but uh, on the Los Angeles Blade and the Washington Blade, because um, they pick it up too. Washington Blade and the LA Blade, by the way, just won the Barbara Giddies um, Award from GLAAD for outstanding journalism. So I'm kind of part of that wow. team that got recognized by by GLAAD. And the, these articles that I write that are LG, rated LGBT radio based um, all have hit their most popular list. There's a list of articles that, you know, once they publish that, you know, you, if you get the highest readership of the paper, um, you end up on that list. And, and, I mean, I have to say I almost have writer's block because if I write something and it doesn't go to number one now, I feel like I failed um, because that's been the track record. But the other thing uh-huh. too, with my writing is I, I have, through the radio show, um, I have honed my interviewing skills and the conversations I get to have with people, um, the guests come back and their publicists come back and they love the experience of having been on the show because I respect them and I go deep. And the, the kind of the key that I learned on that was from somebody that you brought to me to have on my out in Santa Cruz show, which is your friend, Sheena metal. And when oh, she's amazing. I had, her, yeah, I had her on as a guest on out, out in Santa Cruz. And I asked her that question because she is, a phenomenal interviewer 
And I said, uh, okay, Sheena, tell me the secret. What is your secret to your popularity as an outstanding radio broadcaster? And she said, when you have a guest on, you make them feel like they are absolutely the most fascinating, popular person in the world. And I've never forgotten that, and that is exactly what I do. When they come on the show, first of all, I've researched them. I know their background. I don't know just what they're currently publicizing, but I know all their prior work. So I ask them the deeper questions about what the, who they are, where they come from, why they do what they do. And they know that I am not just interested in getting through the radio show. I'm interested in them. And that has worked mm-hmm. incredibly well. And so however I use that skill moving forward, that has been a huge, huge value from doing the show. So I would call you more like, and um, with ultimate respect, this is, you're much more like a 60 Minutes interviewer versus a TMZ. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I would say that that is actually. So do you think? Although I don't go for the scandal. From an <laughs> elder, yeah, no scandal. Yeah. Well, you know, unless it involves like deep fried pickles, and then we'll talk about it. But um, <laughs> yeah. so, for, for the guests that you have on, which is again primarily or exclusively LGBT uh, for content, do you think that the experience they have with you is is so different because other um, maybe shows or hosts uh, just really want to go for the, okay, you're here to promote that song. So let's talk about that. And you're out in six minutes. Um, Cause it, I, again, you, you do such an in-depth um, analysis prior to them arriving that I think that just has to be something they just don't get on other, on other shows. I, I, it's a combination. One is again, just general respect. But I also watch other interviews before I have them on. So I hear, you know, it's sort of like cheating on the test. So I, mm-hmm. I see what other interviewers have done with them and ask them about. And, you know, I see things that they like, to, that they have no problem answering. But I also can tell what are the kind of PR answers that they're used to giving. They've answered this question a dozen times. And so they're answering it yet mm-hmm. again. Um, and so I, you know, I avoid those questions, especially in that way. But I also take note of the things and get sort of some idea of what might irritate them. Um, one example is um, about a month ago, um, we had Chaz Bono on as our guest on the mm-hmm. show. And um, now the big temptation with Chaz Bono and in case people don't know, Chaz Bono's mom is Cher. And I was looking at all the other interviews of Chaz Bono, and sure enough, they sit, sit Chaz down, and first thing out of their mouth is all about Cher. And then it's sort of like mm-hmm. that old joke about, you know, okay, enough about me. Now you tell me what you think about me. So they, they go through this mm-hmm. thing with Chaz. It's like, Cher, Cher, Cher. And then they turn to Chaz and go, so what, what is your experience with Cher? And it was like just cringe mm-hmm. I'm going, okay, God, I feel so bad for him because no wonder he and, – and he has a reputation of not really being warmed up to interviews, not really liking it. 
and feeling uncomfortable. And it was like, okay, we're not doing that. As much as I might be tempted because I adore Cher, Cher is verboten. That is not a subject I am going to in this conversation mm-hmm. at all, period. And I listened for the things that, that – the tidbits in those interviews of what was important to Chaz Bono, which is – Chaz is an actor and has a passion for being an actor. And so that was the topic of our conversation um, on the podcast. And we were, he was open, he was forthcoming. We had a great conversation, not a bit bit of hesitancy, the whole interview. And, you know, it was, again, one of those ones where we had to go, you're not going to believe this, but our hour is up. And, you know, hate to say goodbye, but wow. that's where we're at, you know. So, yeah, so it was, you know, that was that was great. And that's kind of my MO. So I have a follow-up question on Chaz, because I did watch Chaz on American Horror Story a few seasons ago on Netflix. Um, did, did you, are you an American Horror Story fan, Rob, or is that something that freaks you out? I'm, I'm too much of a wuss. <laughs> I've okay. watched I've watched one season well, of American Horror Story, and yeah, but yeah, I'm a wuss. That was enough. Okay. Well, I'm a big yeah. fan, and I've watched every season, it, or it's in my queue on Netflix, one of the two. Uh, but the season that Chaz was in, I was so impressed with his acting ability, and number one, the storyline was great, um, and it involves you know having to saw off your own arm because you got to get out to go, you know, take care of all the stuff. And it was just like, Oh, Oh my God. And you just, Oh, every ounce of everything his character went through, you were just cringing and going, Oh no, please let that. Oh, there. We, mm, oh no. Oh, there they go. And that was the whole you know time on that particular uh, round of it. So where where is Chaz now acting wise as far as projects and well, upcoming projects? Yeah, I did actually watch the scenes that Chaz was in on American Horror Story story before the interview. But Chaz was coming on primarily to talk about a film he had um, produced and he had a part in um, called Bury the Bride, and you can watch it on. Mm. Um, um, one of the, I think it's Tubi or one of the free um, streaming services. Um, so, but Google it and you can you can find it. And it is it is a good um, if you're into horror stories. It's it's actually a, a good little film. And he played his character in that movie is reminiscent of the one that you're talking about, in American Horror Story. He plays a similar type of character. Um, Actually, a little bit meatier part um, in uh, Bury the Bride. But, um, you know, that that's what he likes. He loves playing character actors or character parts. And um, and the ones I've seen, he does sort of orient towards um, the horror genre, which I don't know if that's a total choice or just happenstance because he likes playing the more outlandish ones and, or or movies and and those well, type um, platforms have those in. I just have a hard. I think he's picked excellent roles for what he you know what he wants to do. 
I just don't see him on like an ABC sitcom, you know, that to me would just seem like he would be so fish out of water and uncomfortable doing something like that. I just can't picture Chaz Bono saying, yeah, let's yuck it up on the next episode of whatever. That doesn't seem like I can, who he I can be. see him so playing, doing these. Um, yeah, it, like it, I can see him actually playing like, uh, you know, like an Archie Bunker or a dad, you know, kind of. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, type type that type yeah, role yeah, that, in, in that. that. Work. But he definitely is. Yeah, he's not. I don't think he's trying to get into leading man material. I think you know my impression was yeah. is that he really likes that the side character where he can get into, mm-hmm. you know, kind of the quirkiness and uniqueness of the character where the lead character tends to be kind of homogenous and, and not mm-hmm. as interesting. Yeah. Well, I will tell you, Rob, that apparently this last weekend, unbeknownst to me because I'm a bad gay, um, we had pride here in Orange County. I saw a couple of, uh, snippets on my Yahoo news feed. And I was like, oh, that was this weekend. So while everybody else was out having fun, I was at work and I totally didn't know anything about it, which is my fault. Have you done a big pride celebration up in Santa Cruz? Um, Santa Cruz was a little bit unpublicized. I was on the Santa Cruz pride committee for several years. Um, and I was on it the the year of the pandemic and hosted um, speakers on our virtual pride. Um, when it came back, it has been a little bit smaller. Um, and quite frankly, I didn't even realize it was still happening until a few days ahead of time. And like you, I was booked, I had work bookings. Um, so I didn't mm-hmm. get to participate in that as much. Um, and, you know, as much as, and, you know, I love, the pride here and it's you know it's all very well supported um you know it's the prides back east and in those those uh territories where they are under siege that i think they're really the pertinent prides um you know which obviously would be be a lot harder for us to um to go to um just sidelined not deviating too much but one one point along the lines of what we were talking about, about what's going on in the country. Um, today, I was on a networking group um, through Alignable. I don't know if you've heard of that platform. It's um, it's kind not. of a LinkedIn. It, it's a it's an interesting platform. It's it's like um, it's a networking business networking type of platform. Um, you know, kind of in the space of LinkedIn. Uh, you know, definitely not as big as, as they are, but because it's smaller, you actually do interact with people in a, in a different way. But they have these networking groups on via Zoom where 100 people get on. You do kind of like speed dating except it's business networking where they put you in a breakout room with one person. You get to know what they do and, you know, get interested in each other's business and then move on. And this particular group was LGBTQ. So it was LGBTQ businesses from across the country in this networking group. And I went on as representing my writing agency as, as a freelance writer and, um, you know, um, and, and wanting to interact with other marketing people 
you know, because a lot of times, mm-hmm. like a graphic person will go into a client, they need a writer, boom, they can bring me in and, you know, we're working harmony together. Well, the discussion of this whole group was just fascinating to me because we, even though we were supposed to be in these sort of speed dating kind of breakouts, we would come in and the facilitator kind of asked some questions. And a lot of the whole meeting was this group discussion with a hundred people, you know, sitting there and, and sharing. And it really hit home to me how lucky we have it in California because a lot of these people were from Texas and Florida and Tennessee and all these states where they are really threatened. And what they shared about was that, that they are really threatened and intimidated about what is going on in their state. It is not just like, you know, sometimes, you know, you're in a state and, they pass a bad law and you don't really like it, but life goes on. And that isn't the case for a lot of these gay businesses and people who have lived in these states for a while. They are feeling it. And um, so, you know, it, it, it made so me aware what, what was for the, those of us. That, what was the outcome? Uh, it was just really awareness and, you know, camaraderie and appreciating the the kind of oppression that some people are feeling for me, you know, as somebody who has been out there writing about it and, you know, raising my voice and having a podcast and all that, it just made me feel more committed to keeping my voice out there because more than ever, there are people in our community who need us to speak up for them because we're not sitting in a place where somebody is liable to shoot up our front window. Um, in the middle of the night, you know, so we can afford to put our voice out there and have our voice be heard in their local area where they cannot raise their hand, you know, right now. So it's just, it, it was scary. It was, you know, a huge amount of of call to action on my part and um, mm-hmm. just even more committed to what we're doing. So tell me one thing that you're going to do differently this week as a result of that. Well, I have a full plate this week. but I will tell you one thing that is up to my focus on. Um, I have for years um, thought about writing a book that is both an anthology of all the articles I wrote since 2012 around marriage equality, being a gay dad, forming a gay family, confronting bigots, standing up for parents of transgender kids, um, you know, just tons and tons of articles that I wrote. I wanted to put them together in an anthology and, um, and sort of weave that anthology around a memoir. So it's a memoir and calling in a lot of my past writing um, into a book. So that's always been an idea. Um, one of the clients that I work for is actually another writer where I was helping her with the marketing writing on her website and editing her blog for her. And she had a free workshop on getting started on writing a book. So I took that workshop, already have the outline of the book down, 
have the first few chapters in the preface written. So to answer your question, this has upped my eagerness to get that book going because I feel now more than ever that it is a timely book that should come out and should create visibility about who we are. I love that. And I think it's it's a perfect time for you to be number one on the New York Times bestseller list. That's fine. So it's settled. Bring it up, Rob. What are you waiting for? We got a book. I'm all for that. No. Okay. Well, we, um, I'm in the middle of maybe writing a, a fantasy book as well. Let's go ahead. Sorry. Okay. Well, well, well you're just going to have to come back another time, Rob, and tell me about the fantasy book and have another hour of power here. But I've got about 30 seconds left for other exciting things going on in your life. Do you want to say hi to anybody like your boys who are probably just saying, when is dad going to say hello or anything else? And then I'm going to wrap up the show with gay wedding. Trust me, they're not. <laughs> because I, I text them and call them okay. all the time. And they're like, hi, Dad. Okay, fine. Yeah. You love me? Yeah. Good. Love you too. Bye. Got to go, Dad. Thanks. Anyway, let's hear okay. Gay Wedding. I'm down for that. Okay. I'm down for that too. So everybody, this is my song, Gay Wedding. It was released coincidentally because, you know, the release date was set weeks and weeks and weeks before marriage equality passed in the United States. The day that marriage equality passed, the it was just by default. That's when it hit the airwaves, and I got national airplay all across the country. It was number one on Hindi radio all over the place. You can listen to it for free on Spotify. Here is my version of Billy Idol's White Wedding. It's a great day for a gay wedding. Have a great rest of your Pride Month. We will see you next Wednesday with Rebecca. She's going to come back. We're going to do another show. In the meantime, treat everybody with love and respect. I hope you all have a fantastic week. And tell your friends and family to tune in to Rated G Radio Mondays. Well, of course, you know, this cute little show called Rated LGBT Radio with all of the Hollywood celebrities. So, Rob, thanks for being here. As always, you are the best. Talk to you soon. Not
been listening to Rated G Radio.